Old habits are hard to break. Just ask the big five trade book publishers who just can't seem to walk away from a business dependence on print books. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Sales reports and reader surveys agree that readers continue to enjoy print books over e-books. The reasons for that preference, though, aren't always what you read in the headlines. That's the analysis from Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, who joins me each Friday on Beyond the Book with news and insights on the book business. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So we are indeed back. Uh, welcome back, everyone, from summer. We had a short Labor Day vacation last week. And while we were away, some fascinating new information on the state of the book business arrived uh, in our mail. And, and let's start first with a report from Pew, which uh, you say you are taking with a grain or two of salt. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, generally I'm a big fan of the Pew Research Center's work. And since 2011, they've been doing these surveys about people's reading habits and also about public libraries. And they've revealed some interesting, if not surprising results and put some data to what I think are some pretty common assumptions around books and reading in libraries. So the latest survey that came out last week was on people's reading habits, and that's online now. Uh, and you can read all about that on the PW website. Uh, but the survey takeaway for me, I'll give it to you in a nutshell here, was that book readership in America appears to be holding steady, but ebooks have completely stalled. Now, the survey showed that 73% of Americans have read a book in the last year, uh, and that's largely unchanged from 2012 levels, although we should note that it's lower than the 79% that was recorded in 2011 when Pew did their first survey tracking reading habits. Uh, but most of the readers the survey found are reading print books. In fact, the survey found that after posting an 11 percentage point jump from 2011 to 2014, from 17% to about 28%, ebook readership has seen no change in the last two years. Overall, about 28% of Americans reported reading an ebook in the last year. And the survey also found that how readers are accessing those ebooks has changed pretty significantly. Uh, no surprise from 2011 to 2016, the number of Americans who reported reading an ebook on a tablet, that was, of course, the years that the iPad was launched and became popular, increased about fourfold from 4% to 15%. And smartphone reading has more than doubled from 5% to 13%, though that 13% figure seems a little low to me, I have to say. Meanwhile, dedicated e-reader usage uh, is also roughly unchanged from 2012 levels. So the, the e-reader appears to be pretty much stalled as well. Now, many of the headlines ran a story, uh, in the major media at least, ran a story saying that you know, print books were holding on, you know, books are still there. No one's going away from books, etc. But I think that's kind of missing the point of the survey, which to me is that after a sustained campaign by publishers to protect their print businesses, most notably through agency pricing switch, they've actually seemed to have succeeded in stalling the ebook market. And I actually find that kind of a troubling outcome. I want to hear more about that and uh, the stalled ebook market, as you put it. But, but first, you've told me you took the survey results with a grain of salt. So let's let's start there. 
Why do you not find these Pew Research results all that useful? Well, bluntly speaking, because it's not 2011 anymore. People's habits and people's ideas of, of reading, I think, have evolved pretty fundamentally in the last five years. And you know, I'm not sure that this survey, which follows a model that was developed in the teeth of the ebook transition, really gets to the heart of the discussion we need to be having now. For example, I think the question isn't so much how do you read, which is basically what Pew is asking, but you know, maybe how do you prefer to read? You know, would you read 20 ebooks if you could get them for for cheap or for $3.99 or $2.99 instead of $14.99? E-reading is established, you know, period. You know, that's a fact now. Uh, you know, the digital book market is a fact of life. But with this survey, in many ways, I think we still seem to be approaching it from this transitional viewpoint. And rather than asking questions that drill down to how the market, as it is now constructed, is affecting people's reading choices, you know, we're sort of looking at this, you know, gee whiz, how do you read now? So I don't really question Pew's findings. And I do think that the data that they offer is reliable and somewhat useful. But I do question just how useful it really is, uh, given the realities of the market as it exists now. Okay, fair enough then. But but what about this troubling aspect about ebook data? What, what, why are you bothered by all that? Well, I'm bothered by it because it suggests th- that print remains a preferred format. Now, to most of us, that's pretty much a fact. You know, print is still preferred, and it should be. Print has a long head start on uh, ebooks when it comes to reading. And, you know, print has many advantages in the book business. It's got a, a long distribution network set up, you know, a long-held distribution network. And print is actually a perfect technology for reading. You know, books, we know what to do with a book. We pick it up, we look at the pages, and boom, we're reading. We haven't got to click on any buttons or worry about our batteries or anything. But, you know, in fairness, the survey found that many readers today are hybrid readers, reading print and digital. But the fact is also that the major publishing houses have really put a thumb on the scale when it comes to ebook growth. And, you know, we know that, you know, from the Apple case and covering that and the, the transition agency, that they really wanted to balance print and their established business model with digital, uh, which, of course, is still kind of unsettled. We, we can't really predict what's going to happen in the digital market as much as we can with, with print books. And the result is that it seems to me we've sort of stifled digital reading in the cradle here. Now, people seem to say that you know there's a lot of e-reading taking place when it comes to self-published books, and I believe that to be true. I just have no way to really measure that. Uh, in, in 2009 at the Frankfurt Book Fair, I remember HarperCollins CEO Brian Murray on a panel discussion telling the crowd that 100% of the growth in publishing was coming from digital. And with ebook sales at the big houses stumbling and the readership now flat for two years, uh, that to me is a real point of concern. Uh, if the one part of your business so that you say represents 100% of your growth is stumbling, I wonder what the future holds. You know, and people today have a lot of choices on their phones and on their tablets. And if books are not keeping pace with other media, man, I'd be a little worried. Well, indeed, some people are, and you've made that point about all the choices that are out there today a number of times on Beyond the Book, and we think it's a really important one. Uh, But as far as print books goes, uh, the publishers certainly look to Barnes & Noble and its sales reports for uh, indications about future health. And we now have the first results from the, from the first half of the year uh, from all the book, uh, all the big five book publishers, as well as quarterly results from Barnes & Noble that, and its first report there from BNN following the surprise dismissal of its CEO earlier this summer. So altogether, these numbers uh, 
sort of add up to something and it's not a lot. Tell us about that. Yeah, not terribly encouraging at all. So we'll start with Barnes and Noble, which reported a sales decline of 6.6% in the quarter that ended July 30. Uh, and that's over 2015 numbers. And its revenue was off 6.1%. The Nook revenue, hold on to your hats here, it was down a whopping 24.5%. And you heard it here first, you know, BNN officials cited a leveling off of adult coloring book sales as one of the reasons for the decline and also a weaker lineup of books, uh, no big hits, I guess, compared to 2015. But, you know, this is the first report, as you know, since Ron Boire was surprisingly ousted. And we also learned that Boire's inventory control may have played a role in his ouster. BNN apparently returned a significant amount of inventory in the quarter, uh, noted Alan Lidstrom, who was the CFO at Barnes & Noble. Uh, and he added that inventory situation was now being addressed on a store-by-store basis. And also on that call was Len Riggio, uh, one of uh, Barnes & Noble's founders, who's now once again CEO, putting off his retirement uh, after Ron Boire was dismissed. And he observed that you know the last place you want to reduce inventory is on the store shelves. Uh, so that tells us a little something about why uh, Ron Boire was shown the door. And tellingly, Riggio added, the next BNN CEO is going to have a uh, better understanding, quote, of the complexities of book retailing. So make of that what you will. All right. Well, listen, uh, you referred to the weaker lineup of books. I was thinking, as you said, that, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking back with nostalgia to the days of Fifty Shades of Grey. Hmm. Um, but uh, Random House, the last major publisher to report uh, its results, they did so just last week and when we were away, and the picture we get from uh, them is, well, fairly weak as well. And tell us about that. Yeah, fairly weak uh, and, you know, fairly weak for all of the big five publishers. With Random House results now in, reports for the first half of 2016 from the five major publishers show that none of the companies had a sales increase in the first half of the year. And those sales of print books have stabilized, and we've we've heard that as a real bright spot for publishers that keep emphasizing that that. Print is stabilizing. All five of the reporting publishers said the sales of ebooks fell again in the first six months of 2016 compared to last year. And that's been a familiar refrain. Uh, now you can read all about uh, their results on the PW website. There's a story up that encompasses all of their results right now on the site. But I'll just observe this. You know, low growth is sort of par for the course for the majors. So there's like, it's not really shocking that they would be reporting this kind of growth. But the first half results have really sort of reignited this conversation on a bunch of listservs and even in some media articles about the general health of the book publishing industry. Now, all of that can change in a hurry with a big book or two. But systemically, you know, going back to the Pew report, the question I have don't you think it may be time to rethink the ebook strategies? You know, and the good news is that profits are up at these publishers because digital publishing, while the revenues are, are being held down, they're still, it's still pretty profitable. And, you know, I have to wonder at what point we're going to start seeing more pro growth plans from the big publishers. For example, maybe some lower prices or better promotions. When is just like digital going to start coming into play again here? So we have some interesting data on the book business overall for the first half of 2016. And of course, all eyes are now going to be trained on the big holiday season, which will be, as it always is, uh, make or break for the publishing business. 
Oh, indeed, you're right. And, you know, it's Labor Day yesterday and Christmas tomorrow. And <laughs> it always seems to come so fast. Well, uh, despite that uh, rather gloomy report on the health of the industry, it doesn't seem to have any trouble attracting talent. And uh, uh, this Monday's issue of Publishers Weekly, you're going to highlight some of the best and brightest with your second annual Star Watch issue. That's correct. In Monday's issue, you can read profiles of 45 publishing professionals across all areas of the business. And that includes from the, the art departments to editing, publicity, production, what have you. And, and these people truly represent the future of publishing. The numbers are one thing and they go up or down. But when you see the talent and the people who are actually working in the business, uh, it does give you a little bit uh, of uh, hope for the future. Uh, next week, we'll be having a banquet here in Manhattan at the Dream Hotel. Uh, and one of the 45 Five uh, Star Watch choices is going to get an all-expense-paid trip to the Frankfurt Book Fair, which is coming upon us pretty quickly. Uh, so if you're looking for some good news about the book business, uh, check out Monday's issues and our Star Watch profiles. All right, Dee. Well, I won't be able to join you there uh, at the Dream Hotel, which sounds rather relaxing. Uh, but please raise a glass to all those uh, good people on our behalf here at Beyond the Book. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for joining us as always. My pleasure as always. One particularly strong pull for bringing strong talent into publishing is that the business does more than just generate revenue. As a cultural business, books are good in their own right, as Mockingbird publishing founder Ashley Gordon told me in June. One of the strongest arguments for it is establishing a positive brand for the publisher, which is something that they're struggling with now. It establishes the author brand. It creates direct connections, as we said, with their consumers. And it can also drive revenue in some really creative ways. You're able to look at what you already do in your social marketing campaigns, in your author events, and um, and do those in a way that adds this additional component that drives sales for you directly and with your store partners. And then it attracts talent. It's something, as we said, that millennials are looking for. So it's a means of attracting and retaining those, those vibrant young employees that we're all looking for. So there are very solid business reasons for doing this. Here, Ashley and Raina Diorio, founder of Little Pickle Press, explain more ways that publishing is finding that doing good also pays in the end. On the next Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, with its subsidiaries Rights Direct in the Netherlands and Ixis in the United Kingdom. CCC is a global leader in content workflow, document delivery, text and data mining, and rights licensing technology. You can find Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or at our website, beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Mm-hmm.